Welcome to the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Oh my. Blake and Boomer are here for all of your weekly winners. Oh my. Let's fatten up your wallet. All right, my friends, it's chapter 4.3 of the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Blake and Boomer are back. We're back with all your winners. Boomer, how's it going this weekend? Oh, you know, pretty good, pretty good. Just uh, having myself a Michelob Ultra, you know, I figured I'm already pretty much uh, in mid-season form and just trying to keep the electrolytes running right now. Mid-season form is not Michelob Ultra, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we got a big show for you tonight. Like I said, it's Chapter 4.3 of the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Uh, we're going to be joined in a little bit by Dan Rubenstein. Um, Dan's coming to us, solid verbal, big college football guy, <clears throat> great interview. You're going to check that out here in just a little, little bit. We got week three of the college football season, week two of the NFL season coming up. Uh, we're going to look back on week one a little bit, NFL, kind of see what happened there. Um, but speaking of last week, winning weeks again, I went seven and five, pushed my overall record of 15 and 11. Boomer went six, five, and one, pushing his overall record of 14, 10, and two. So we're still winning on the season, which is what you come here for, and we're going to keep winning on the season. Big, big weekend ahead. Um, College football, like I said, week three, NFL, week two. Uh, we got some hurricane games. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But um, NFL last week, boom, how did you do on Sunday? Yeah, man, uh, not too good, not too good. Just uh, having too much faith in some of the old tried and true quarterbacks that uh, looks like they're on their way right up the old dusty trail. And uh, Samantha Darnold, uh seemed to shine after that that first little hiccup there yeah that was impressive yeah i took one on the chin sunday um usually i do all right first week of football season nfl wise but uh i won my only pick i gave out which is all that matters i gave out the browns i won that um in terms of the vault uh picking games you know not great but yeah we were both on the lines monday night obviously that didn't help but speaking of the lines i think that that's uh that's something we can kind of segue into I think that that's a team you're going to get some value on. People are going to overreact. They're going to freak out over what happened Monday night. It's just kind of like Stafford played awful. He's not going to keep playing that way. Um, who's another team that you kind of saw last week that, that you might see some value in because of the way they played week one? Uh, I mean, the team that I was on last week, the uh, Arizona Cardinals, that final score is going to have people just running to the book and uh, betting the other way the next couple of weeks. I think they had the talent there. They kind of gave up, which was weird. And uh, Alex Smith, I mean, just kind of came out of nowhere. And it, it was, I guess, a good spot for them. Definitely the Redskins were uh, undervalued last week. But I, I still I don't think that the Cardinals are the worst team in the league like they proved uh, last Sunday. No, but uh, you're right. Alex Smith came out, guns a-blazing. and He does that from time to time, first couple weeks of the season. But I'm glad you mentioned. I, mean, I, thought, the, I thought I saw a, I thought I saw a mid-year uh, mid-year form Brett Favre out there. Yeah, that, that's what it looked like, and he'll he'll do that for the first couple of weeks, and then you got to tell him, just got to pick out when you got to start fading them. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Cardinals because they uh, they officially became my first blacklist team of the season. That was atrocious to watch, and I don't really see, I don't know, I don't see too much that they can do to improve upon that. You're right, they did kind of seemed like they gave up a little bit which is weird when you got a guy like Larry Fitzgerald but new coach on the sideline uh Bradford old Sammy Sleeves did not impress um and he usually yeah I think he's he's gonna be out the door fairly quickly and they're gonna bring old Josh Brosen in yeah Brosen man that's your that's your guy yeah I mean that's what I'm saying I'm not giving up on him yeah just because that dude there on the sideline just ready to go in the mid-year third quarter form yeah, that was uh, – we'll, we'll have to see him at some point because I think Bradford – and usually Bradford lights it up the first couple of weeks of the season because he's actually healthy and then he's not anymore. Yeah, yeah, he'll get hurt here uh, probably next week or week after. Probably during the podcast tonight. He will somehow injure himself. But anyways, that's NFL. That's kind of in the review mirror. Have you got any blacklist teams, though? 
Um, no, hell no. I, I leave my options open on a week-to-week basis. Come on now. There's always value to be had. All right, well, the Cardinals are my official blacklist, first official blacklist team of the year. All right, so. I will I will say it's going to be very hard to take spots to take the Bills, but there will be eventually a oh, week yeah, that no, the Bills be, are getting enough points. There will be spots, and they're awful. Definitely the worst team in the NFL. Uh, I don't think it's a question. And Josh Allen's not very good at all. So, uh <laughs> Not much. No, I can't believe I can't believe they ended up uh, pulling Peterman in that game. You know, at least at least giving the fans a little bit of hope that Josh Allen may be a little bit better instead of putting him in there in the fourth quarter just to see he's just as terrible as right. Peterman. At least give him a week of hope, but instead you dashed all that in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, speaking of Peterman, he started two games now. Hasn't made it. He made it out of the or he got benched at halftime in the first one. He got benched midway through the third quarter in this one. He's like ten of thirty for 100 yards with seven interceptions. That's the most atrocious quarterbacking I've ever heard of in my entire life. So anytime that dude is at the helm, we're going to fade him. So uh, that was kind of a look back. Week week uh, one of the NFL. Week two, we got, you know, coming up. Week three of the college football season. is a pretty good mark, uh, marquee matchups this weekend. Game day's got the TCU Oklahoma or Ohio State game. That'll be entertaining. But let's get to uh, week thirty. Let's get to our interview with Dan. Uh, we'll check in. With yeah, him. let's go. Let's go ahead just before you get to that interview. And you mentioned the game, where game day's at. Unreal that Auburn is being snubbed once again from having the game of the damn week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess this is kind of one of those you get at Auburn LSU every year, so there's going to be more opportunities, and this kind of a one-off with Ohio State and TCU. But you're right. I mean, I think that the more yeah, in the long term, the more important game is probably going to be this Auburn LSU game. But I guess game day, they're more realistic about LSU than most, you know, than maybe the AP poll is. They're like 11 in the AP poll. I don't think either one of us believes that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's let's check in with Dan first again. Dan Rubenstein uh, from Solid Verbal. So y'all check this out. All right, folks, we'd like to welcome Dan Rubenstein to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Dan comes to us from the Solid Verbal podcast. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Dan Rubenstein. Uh, he does some stuff for Action Networks, SI Now. Like I said, host of the Solid Verbal Podcast, great college football podcast. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Dan. How's it going this evening? It's great. It's raining out, and I'm hungry. And now I'm on a show called the Deep Fried Bets Podcast, which is making me even more hungry. Was there a specific deep fried food? that led you to calling your show what it is is there an inspiration no there wasn't uh you know we're in the south i'm in birmingham my sure. co-host is in atlanta so you know kind of try to find a southern theme for it and you know deep fried you know that that's the first thing i think of when i think of the south so that's kind of how it got, came to <laughs> that be. works for me i yep. i really want chicken right now that's where my brain is at. absolutely me too it sounds great <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk a little bit. We got week three coming up, the college football season. Week two is officially in the books. Um, what stood out to you the most the first two weeks of the football season? Um, that it was a pretty ordinary, uh, like the things that we thought would happen. You know, Kyler Murray being good at Oklahoma, Chip Kelly and UCLA struggling a little bit early on. Um, Alabama with Tua giving them a, a sort of different element that they had with. Uh, with Jalen Hurts, I, I didn't think there was anything that I would consider to be shocking. But you know, this is when you know mid late September. This is when teams start playing their second or third decent team. That we start to really gain an understanding of of where teams stand and how they're constructed and where strengths and weaknesses are. So it's a good time of year for gambling if you are you know confident and you are willing to take some chances in what you perceive to be good or not sort of good team. Cause you know, bet makers and, and line makers don't really have the, any sort of more concept than you have, but it'll be nice to have more of a sample size later on. Right. Okay. So speaking of, you know, you kind of mentioned you, you think there's still some value to be had out there. Who are some teams that are kind of flying a little bit under the radar that you, maybe Vegas hadn't caught on to yet? Um, I think Houston could be special on offense. We'll see, and that, that showed itself. So the secret's a little bit out against Arizona. Um, I'm trying to look around right now. Uh, I think Michigan's going to be undervalued a little bit because I, I think their defense is going to put them in a good spot, and, and that Notre Dame game is going to be a, a lasting thing for a lot of people, perhaps for too long. I don't think they're going to make the playoff, but I think they're one of those teams that uh, can be very, very good. Um, who else? Uh, I think 
Georgia. I think the secret's out on Georgia, but what, what they did against South Carolina, they're only going to see lines go up. So grab them while you can, I guess. Um, there's a lot in the Big 12 where I think there's uncertainty. And whether it's, you know, we'll, we'll know more about TCU, obviously, against Ohio State and Arlington this week. Um, we really don't have a concept for what Baylor's going to look like, Oklahoma State, uh, what Kyler Murray looks like against really good competition, even West Virginia against really good competition. So I think in terms of toss-up and where uncertainty is, I think the Big 12 is is real strong in terms of you got to go with your hunch a little bit. Okay. So you kind of mentioned, um, you know, Oklahoma. Baylor was one of them that you mentioned. That was that was mm-hmm. something I was going to ask you a little bit, but we'll go ahead and get to it now. All right, so – that was something that really stood out to me. Baylor's playing Duke this weekend, six-point home favorite. What, what's your take on that? Uh, it's Duke coming off of a, another road game where they looked pretty impressive, especially defensively. But, you know, two road games in a row, and this is Duke traveling from North Carolina to Chicago and now back to North Carolina and now back to Texas. It's a lot of travel. And Baylor early on, and I know the competition hasn't been that good, but – if defensively they start getting a little bit, bit a little bit better, excuse me, under Matt Rule, I mean they're putting up points. Charlie Brewer looks like he's at least pretty good at quarterback. He has a couple of interesting weapons. Denzel Mims is in pretty good. Jalen Hurd, of course, the Tennessee transfer. <coughs> excuse me, um, that wasn't a shot at Jalen Hurd. I really had to cough. Um, <laughs> I, I just think I, that really, I promise you, it wasn't. Um, there, there is just something intriguing, I suppose, early on where you don't know how good Baylor is. You know, Baylor could be a bowl team. Baylor could go 4-8, whatever. Right now, it's just they're, they're a toss-up team that because of, you know, their coaching staff, which I think is pretty good, they, uh, they could make some noise. I don't know. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but uh, I, I think, the Bear, I think it's, a, it's a favorable matchup given where Duke has uh, been this last week going to Northwestern and the travel stuff. Okay. Yeah, that was just one that I was going through earlier today, kind of looking at some of the lines that mm-hmm. really stood out to me. Is there anything else that you've seen this weekend that kind of caught your eye like that? I like, for a similar reason, I actually think I like Texas against USC. Okay. USC scores three points last week, but not as bad as they looked against Stanford. But JT Daniels leaves the game for a little while with an injured hand. And there's something to me about another road game going to a place against what we believe to be two weeks in, three weeks in, a pretty good defense in Texas. I think Texas will improve. And if, if nothing else, last week showed that maybe Sam Darnold covered up for a, a couple pretty big issues offensively for right. USC. You know, he was always he was always running around, and we just assumed that he was taking advantage of his athleticism. Turns out maybe the USC offensive line isn't all that good. Can be pushed around by a team with the talent on defense that Texas has. And so, you know, last year USC scores 42 against Stanford in the regular season early on. Uh, they go to overtime against Texas. You know, if there is that big steep drop-off from Sam Darnold to what JT Daniels is, at least early on in his career for the Trojans, then it might show itself once again in Austin. So I think those points, I think Texas is favored by about three points right now. Right. I think they can win that game, even with it without a huge performance. Okay. So those uh, you've hit on a couple matchups in Texas, but probably the biggest one in the Lone Star State this weekend. We got TCU and Ohio State. What do you think of that game? Is uh, mm-hmm. is Urban not going to be on the sideline? Is that going to be a bigger deal than people are making it out to be? Man, that's a lot of points. It's just yeah. it's a lot of points. I, I understand how dominant. I yeah, it. it's it's understandable given how dominant Ohio State has looked early on, but it's. Who they played Rutgers and Oregon State right. that are you know two Power Five teams that are probably one of you know two of the five to six worst Power Five teams that we expect right now. So it's hard to fully gauge what that means, but they've beaten them in such a way that you're confident in them handling their business efficiently when opportunity presents itself. And Dwayne Haskins has been lights out. Defense after some big play hiccups against Oregon State seems to have improved somewhat. They have a ridiculous defensive line. And TCU, I think there's uncertainty about Sean Robinson and quarterback. He hasn't even played what I would consider to be a decent defense, a decent team. So he is he is that unknown of a quantity, even with what I think is pretty good running backs, pretty good receivers, decent offensive line. You know, I think Gary Patterson will, will game plan this defense really nicely for the Frogs. But, you know, the, it, TCU is a big question mark because, you know, even if it were, you know, Trevon Boykin, Kenny Hill, whoever – this Ohio State team is very good. 
just in terms of what they bring to the field, the depth that they have, the coaching, you, you see that Dwayne Haskins is used a little bit differently than JT Barrett was, not counted on to run nearly as much, more of a pure passer, and they're finding ways for him to succeed and gain confidence early on in these games. So, you know, as much as I hate to do it, I, I do think that Ohio State can win this game comfortably by double digits. It's just, if I'm looking at the slate of games, that's not the first game I'm choosing to put right. American dollars on. Yep. So I know it's in Arlington. Is this a home and home or is this a neutral site? What's going on with this? I believe it's just a neutral site okay. one-off game between okay. TCU okay. and Ohio State. I wasn't sure if it was kind of a home and home and TCU decided to have it there to get more fans there, but I um, wasn't sure. All right, so, you know, talking about a lot of points in that game. Another thing that kind of caught my eye, Alabama is playing a game this weekend in which the over-under is over 70. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? Another game where you're like, could Alabama win this game? I mean, I think they're favored by about three touchdowns, yeah, which means that the over it's like a 45-25 type anticipated matchup, 47-25, whatever that is, the math works out to be. Um, it's a crazy number, but... Ole Miss is built offensively to give Alabama at least a couple of fits. We're talking about, I want to say Ole Miss lost this game 66 to three last year. Yes. So it's not, is Ole Miss 63 points better than they were last year? It's can they be 15 points better? You know, baby steps. Um, in this game specifically, I really love Ole Miss's receiving core. I like Jordan to Amu, but defensively the rebels are, they're a mess. And, to me, that is Alabama scoring quickly, Alabama taking advantage of their own defensive depth. Even if they you know, give up a couple of big plays, two or three big plays, if, if Ole Miss scores 17 this year and they do improve by a couple touchdowns, I think Alabama's just going to, you know, it's a, it's a layup line to me. So uh, I, it's a lot of points to give, and it's another game that I don't know if I'd necessarily touch. But in terms of teams where you, you do feel confident about laying a, laying a, a spread like that, I, I'm fine with it. You know, if, if you gave me $100 to bet the spread in this game, I think I would give those points. Okay. Um, so kind of on the other end of the spectrum, the other big SEC game this weekend, got LSU traveling to Auburn. Auburn, about a 10-point favorite there, over-under somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, I think 46. What what, uh, what stood out to you there? Uh, the under. <laughs> yeah. The under in this game. Um, there's something about two defenses that are – it's the thing you can be the most confident in in this game, even without Kalevin Chapin uh, for, for LSU and their linebacking core taking a hit. Up front, both of these teams are excellent. Both of these teams are going to give quarterbacks trouble. We've seen Jared Stidham struggle a little bit with happy feet as soon as things start to break down. So, you know, that's a little bit worrisome. Second half play calling for Auburn in big games, whether it was Washington this year, whether it was LSU last year, that's a bit of a concern. But even bigger than that is, Joe Burrow in a true road game, staring into a defensive front like this with you know the, the type of hostile crowd that he hasn't really seen yet, um, that's concerning to me. And right. so it's a lot of points to give. And so I'm not my head isn't fully there, but I will. I think I'm going to take the under in this game. That okay. that I think is where I'm most confident. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts as well. But I didn't know if it was a situation where you might could see some defensive touchdowns pushing that over, but. If you like, if you like LSU, that's what you have. That's what you need. Right. That's all. I mean, I, I can't imagine that this game is going over. I can't imagine that LSU is covering without. Yep. If, 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 if it's not a touchdown, it's a, you know, it's an interception brought back to the nine, or it's you know a scoop off fumble brought back to like the eighteen. It's a short field that's generated by the defense. Okay. So uh, one one more thing, we'll get you out of here. Obviously, Hurricane Isaac coming in is uh, affected. I think it's already canceled three, you know, games on the East Coast. What do we have to look out for there? Is it, um, you know, more games in danger of cancellation? I assume that things are going to be affected. Um, it seems that the big areas that are being hit, North Carolina, everything has either been moved up and things along the Eastern Seaboard have been moved up. I know Boston College Wake Forest has been moved up a couple hours tomorrow night, right. recording this on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, UNC game was canceled against, I want to say, ECU. NC State, West Virginia canceled. But I think all it's going to be is, is more rain along the East Coast. So if you're looking at games and looking at overs and teams are, you know, throwing teams, whatever, if they're going to air it out 40, 50 times a game, maybe adjust your thoughts on those right. games. But 
Yeah, I, I imagine because we're now into Wednesday that the necessary steps have been taken to either cancel or move. Okay, yeah, that's one thing I was, you know, obviously a terrible situation, but it does, as a gambler, provide yep. some opportunity with the unders. I remember a couple of years ago, I forget the name of the hurricane, but we had the uh, the NC State-Notre Dame game that was just yep. an absolute slop fest, and that was, you know, an yep. under, easy under there. You'll have so, a coach who decides to throw it 28 times in a crazy rainstorm. Yep, that'll always happen. Yep. All right, Dan. Well, we thank uh, thank you so much again for joining us again. Y'all check him out, Dan Rubenstein. You can find him on Twitter at Dan Rubenstein. Uh, the Solid Verbal Podcast, SolidVerbal.com or iTunes. Y'all check it out. A great, great college football podcast. He's doing some stuff for the Action Network, SI Now, all over the place. Dan, thanks again for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Again, we'd like to thank Dan Rubenstein for joining us on the Deep Fried Best Podcast. So we kind of talked about it there at the end. Uh, Hurricane Isaac's coming in, and it's supposed to be, you know, I think, you know, tomorrow night, really. I'm not a weatherman. Don't come here for your weather takes. It's, uh, it's, uh, just let me stop you right there. It's Hurricane uh, Florence. I thought it was Isaac. Who's Isaac? Isaac's the next one in line. He's there's, a Category 1 right now. There's another one coming up? See, the, exactly. This is all you have to know. I, I know nothing about the weather. Uh my sense of the weather is when I walk outside and see if it's raining, I turn around and go back inside and get my rain jacket. I, I don't keep up with the weather. I don't care anything about it. It doesn't affect my day-to-day -day activity. Anyways, that's uh, that's my spill on that. So, yeah, Hurricane Florence, apparently. Isaac's the next one in line. Uh, so, Florence is going to affect some college football games. It's already canceled three marquee matchups with uh, – or three Power 5 pro uh, programs, I should say. North Carolina, North Carolina State, and – West Virginia, maybe. Uh, anyways, those are three of the teams involved. I don't know if they play each other or not, but uh, some of those some of those teams already been canceled. Tomorrow night, we got the Wake Forest and Boston College matchup. Uh, Wake Forest is at home on the East Coast in North Carolina. They moved this game up. This game actually kicks at four thirty Central. Um, they moved it up. I guess they started at five thirty Eastern, but now it or seven thirty Eastern. Now it kicks at five thirty Eastern. So I guess they're going to try and beat it a little bit. But uh, still 85% chance of rain. Uh, I'll go ahead and start us off here. Over-under still 54 right now. You've got an 85% chance of rain. Wake Forest likes to air the ball out in their uh, ideal scenario. They're not going to be able to do that in 85% rain. 85% uh, chance of rain, I should say. So I'm going to take the under of 54 on Thursday night college football. Ben, what's your take? Yeah, um, I was going to actually mention there with the hurricane coming in most of the people listening on the podcast probably knew that the uh, coastal carolina campbellton state game was moved up to 2 30 this afternoon yeah i did saw you, that did you get to watch any of that i did not and it was it was a hell of a damn barn burner and coastal carolina just i, I couldn't believe they were running the score up there, there was a spread of about 30 30 points on there which i know you were already accustomed to of course i thought it was two minutes left but... two minutes left in the game uh Coastal Carolina is up by 31 points, and uh, Campbellton State misses a 27-yard field goal in the closing. Then Coastal Carolina wants to make sure that it's known they weren't even close to uh, not covering. One second left in the game, they aired out for a touchdown, end up winning by uh, 36, I believe. All right, so that's why you had to stay late at the office today because you spent part of your day watching the Campbell Camels uh play football against the coastal Carolina Chanticleers. That's an all, yeah, that, that's an all world I mean, mascot matchup right there. I mean, you know, the stands were not packed as you can imagine, but, uh, it was free attendance. I, I believe there were, uh, students walking around campus outside, actually got to class as the game was happening. All right. Well, I mean, I noticed that coastal Carolina played on Saturday, so that's kind of a quick turnaround um, for them. So big, big, big part for them to get the win there. Um, proud of them to get that. But yeah, um, so back to the your pick on this uh, Thursday night game because we're not going to discuss oh, yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. the Wednesday Excellent. game that took place. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'd get back to this. Uh, obviously, I'm going to jump off college. I said at the beginning of the season, I'm going to stay on them uh, until they prove me wrong. I think that they are still kind of undervalued. I do like Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is a good sleeper team to ride with most weekends, but with the rain, it's going to definitely be raining. I'm a huge A.J. Dillon guy. All they're going to be doing is handing the ball, probably get 40, 45 carries this game. 
Uh, Dazio's defense travels. No big deal. Move the game up to 5 o'clock. Everybody's going to be happy and be out of there before the storm hits. Definitely going to go ahead and eat the five and a half here. All right, so you got Boston College. Um, That's the only big Thursday night game. I I know college football kind of – they let you uh, ease into the NFL season before they start throwing any more spicy nugs your way. But um, so Boston College, for you, I'm on the under 54 on Thursday. Let's go to Saturday. Uh, you kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but this LSU-Auburn game, the spread somewhere around 10, 10 and a half, depending on over under a 45. Uh, what's your take on this, Boom? Yeah, it makes absolutely uh, zero sense why Auburn's getting 10. Uh in this game, I guess it's a very big uh, – I don't know. I don't know where it's coming from. I mean, it was an Alabama State game that Auburn put up 60-some-odd points last week. But did, did LSU, not LSU, for the record. LSU is a good damn football team, and they've got a legitimate quarterback, legitimate defense. Uh, they got a coach that everybody wants to play for, and they're getting 10 points on their side. I mean, makes absolutely zero sense. The entire public is on LSU, and the line has not changed. What does that tell you? Well, we'll go back to last year. It tells me that there's something that I'm not seeing, so I'm going to go ahead and eat the 10 points with Auburn and just sit back and watch what happens. Yep. I am not going to pick a side on this, but if I had to take a side, I would be on Auburn as well. I don't. I, I disagree with you. You say Burrow's good. I, I, don't, I don't know. He's just uh... – He's got to show me something other than Miami. Um, that wasn't the most impressive game to me. Stats weren't great. Like I said, not sold on him. But um, he he came out today, I don't know if you heard this, and said uh, he said he refuses to slide. If there's someone coming to him, there's going to be a collision. That's not a good idea with this Auburn defensive line. Uh, they will eat you alive. Auburn's defense is phenomenal. Um yeah, I mean, if I had to pick a side here, I'd take Auburn. But I like the under a lot in this. Um, I think the only way this game goes over is if you do have a couple of defensive touchdowns because this is going to be a slugfest. Um, I mean, LSU's defense is good. They're always going to be good. That's what they do. And they're going to try to limit Auburn. I, I think Auburn probably gets out of this game, let's say 24-13, 24-10, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, I can take... see this being maybe one of those uh, weird 20 to – Seven, seventeen to three kind of game. Right, but either way, I'm going to take the under, and if I had to pick a side, I'd take Auburn, but I'm going to take the under here to be safe because I think the only way it goes over is if you do have some defensive touchdowns, kind of like we talked about with Dan earlier. All right, so next up, the uh, another ranked matchup for you. Going out to Stillwater, Oklahoma, the land of T. Boone Pickens. Uh, Oklahoma State, home favorites to Boise State. Boise's catching two in the hook. On the road, uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, this game's bullshit. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip over it because any game that Boise State's going to be a part of this year, I will not be riding with. So, as a replacement game, I'm going to give you the actual real matchup from the West Coast, and I am going to go ahead and snag the Utah Utes getting seven at home against the Washington Huskies. Kind of weird weird play right there for me to go outside the bun, but I mean, I'm pretty creative and I like to make money. So we haven't seen Utah really play against any talent this year. Obviously everybody's seen how Washington's done. I think that playing the 10, the 10 PM Eastern game in Utah, something weird about it. It's a madness. It's going to be a good place to uh, kick back after you made a lot of money on the day and uh, put a little bit on this side and, and kind of cruise into your Sunday morning. Okay, so you're taking Utah plus seven in the Boise Oklahoma State game. Um, all right. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a good pick. Washington tends not to cover when it comes to Utah, so sure, why not? Uh, but the game that we had scheduled, I'll take Boise plus two in the hook. I think Oklahoma State kind of missed their window last year with um, James Washington, Mason Rudolph. Both dudes got drafted in the second and third round. Um, I just think that, I mean, Oklahoma State, they're always going to be a nine win, sometimes ten wins. Great seasons, they might get to 11. I just, I think they missed their window, and I think it's kind of something that's that's still kind of there. You know, they've been, they've put up some points the first couple weeks, but they hadn't really played anybody. Boise, um, you know, they're battle-tested. 
I, I think Boise goes on the road and gets the outright win, but I'll take the two and a half just to be safe. Yeah, right. I'm just uh, I'm kind of gambling right there that nobody really gives a shit about the Boise State game, and more people will be watching the Washington Utah game. I mean, you got a ranked matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Boise State just you know playing the damn. Uh, Mother Teresa's uh, School for the Blind every damn week, and they have a game like this every 24. That's, that's where they're always going to be. Okay. Well, I, I think that's a more intriguing matchup than Washington and Utah, but we'll see. All right, next up, let's go to the Grove. Let's go to Ole Miss. Let's talk about this game earlier. I hinted on it with uh, with Dan earlier. The over-under in this Alabama-Ole Miss game is 71. Uh, I'm an Alabama grad. I don't think I've ever seen a game involving Alabama since Nick Saban has been there with a, with an over-under of over 70. Um, and people are taking it. And I, mean, I don't know what side I'm going to be on in the total, but boom, what do you, what do you think about this game? Yeah, well, uh, obviously I had Arkansas State last week. I figured that... Did not uh, work for you. No, I figured Satan would ease up on him kind of towards the end, but... Uh, it, it was great to see how much of a slap in the face that he gave to Jalen Hurts by having him play as much as he did that game, which I thought was hilarious. And I will be completely shocked if Jalen ends up staying there through the no. end of the season and just total, totally wasted a talent. Uh, I, I thought for sure Saban was not going to burn one of his four uh, eligible games on – the damn Arkansas State Red Wolves. <laughs> I definitely sure as hell thought that Tua would not have been in the game in the third quarter. <laughs> Aaron it out. Now, I get he wanted to make sure he was ready for this old Miss game because it's clearly just a powerhouse matchup. Surprise game day is not there this weekend. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and just take Ole Miss. You know, really not a good feeling about it, but. I'm just going to gamble every week that Alabama's not going to cover uh, ridiculous double-digit spreads every week. And that at some point, uh, just karma and, you know, good people and being kind, a human being will catch up to him. And, uh, yeah, maybe it happens this weekend. Maybe not. But I'll be on uh, Ole Miss plus 21, okay, which so I'm sure will only go up. Right. the game starts. I, was, I think it opened at 24, so it kind of came back down a little bit. Um, so you kind of hit on that Jalen Hurts. I'll, I, I, I don't know how reliable this information is, but, I, you know, apparently he was supposed to redshirt. And, you know, that, that came out from one of the Alabama beat writers that writes for The Athletic now, Aaron Suttles. You know, that kind of came out Saturday morning that the plan was Jalen was going to redshirt. And then he goes out and plays. Well, here's the deal. You know, it's no secret that, you know, he, he got beat out. He wasn't happy about getting beat out. You heard his press conference early in the, the spring or in the fall. Um, he He's pissed off about it. So he, he's going to transfer. Like, I, I don't think there's any way around it. He transfers at the end of the year. He graduates in December, so he can leave and not have to sit out a year. And, you know, kind of thinking was he'll redshirt, you know, playing four games and then transfer. Well, my thinking is, you know, He's going to sit back there. Saban's not going to let a player dictate who does and does not redshirt. So I think that's why he played Saturday. I was as shocked as you were when he first went out there, but then I got to thinking about it. If he lets players dictate when they want to redshirt, then that becomes a problem because every time a kid gets beat out, he's going to be like, well, I'm just going to redshirt this year and then uh, not waste my eligibility and then go somewhere else when I graduate. Well, no, they they usually leave, kind of like that uh, Blake Barnett kid who's down in South Florida right, right now, but he which is a... totally respectable. Let him, let him leave and actually go play. If they want yeah. to go play damn Old Dominion or the SDLSU Mud Dogs, don't make them just sit there and then only use them wherever it's convenient and burn up the kid's year. Yeah, I mean, set out a year. Blake did. The thing is, Jalen doesn't have to set out a year if he, you know, when he because he graduates in December. So, I mean, my thinking is if he if he tried to dictate who, who he redshirted or if he wanted to redshirt, you know, Barnett played in the first game and that was before this new redshirt rule where you can play in four games and still redshirt. My thinking is this is kind of saving saying I'm not going to let you dictate who does and does not redshirt. Um, yeah, I have no, obviously no information. I have heard a rumor, though. Again, rumor, don't know anything. Haven't heard this from anybody, you know, that, you know. So basically directly. you're reporting on this. I am. Yeah, reckless speculation. Let's get that out there. Apparently uh, Muschamp called Saban earlier in the week or somehow got in touch with Saban, uh, Jalen Hurts' dad was pissed off after the Louisville game and started calling around 
to coaches saying, hey, Jalen's transferring. I want you to come play. So I kind of think that was, you know, the backstory. I don't know. Again, not sure how true that is. But here's what I'll say. Um, I'll take Ole Miss at home, 21. It's just too many points. Their offense is really good, and they're going to try and cover as much as they can. Try and for, score. for those for those of you that are doing the math at home, this uh, spread started out at 18. I thought it was 24. Started out at 18. It's got to 21. It might end at 24 with the way people are betting on Alabama right now. It's a damn 80% clip. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's another reason I'm going to fade them just because of the public. But I'm going to take Ole Miss here uh, at home. I think Alabama wins comfortably. I think this is kind of a backdoor opportunity. So give me Ole Miss. Here. Although Alabama has turned into a damn ATM machine the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean they're really good against the spread, but I mean it can't keep up. I mean they, at some point they're gonna have to make a number that's that's high enough. So I don't know. We'll see. Next up, we've got the game day matchup: Ohio State versus TCU. This is a neutral site game in Dallas, or in Arlington, I should say, Jerry World. The doctors and lawyers will be in attendance. Um, kind of favors TCU, I guess, because it's closer. But Ohio State will travel. They have no problem traveling. So uh, TCU, 13-point dogs and a neutral site game that's in the vicinity of their campus. Uh, I like TCU a lot in this. I think that Urban Meyer – I mean, I think Gary Patterson – Versus Urban Meyer would be an insanely good coaching matchup. But as we all know, Urban Meyer's not there. It's Ryan Day. He takes over. He's still a very capable coach. Ohio State's ran up the score the last two weeks against some nobodies, uh, Rutgers and Oregon State. And I think TCU's going to game plan for him a little bit better. And I think TCU, they looked sloppy on Friday night against SMU for the first half. Then they came out and boat raced them in the second half. Ended up covering the number in that, too. But they've got an extra day to prepare, which I think does help in a game like this. It's less travel for them. I think that it'll be closer to a 50-50 split just because it's closer. If it were anywhere else, you know, I think Ohio State fans would dominate this. But I'm going to take TCU in somewhat of a home game here, plus the 13. You're giving me Gary Patterson. You're giving me double-digit points. I'll take it any day of the week, Boomer. Yeah, I'm going to take a flyer right here on this one. Uh probably my least confident game of the week but i am going to go ahead and side with uh ohio state mainly off the fact that uh i did watch every bit of that smu game last week and it was absolutely pathetic uh sean robinson i think is going to have a very very difficult time moving the ball against this ohio state defense now gary patterson is going to have a game plan in place I think Haskins is going to be able to at least move the ball, especially later in the game as it gets. TCU, not a hard place to play, like you said, at all. Um, I think I could, I could see this score kind of being one of those 35-10 to 10 games. Just Ohio State still pissed off. They're still going to keep running the score up where they can, and I think that they have the ability. They're also going to be running the ball, especially, like you said, Urban Meyer. He's not going to try to rely on a damn running quarterback like he always does. It always gets him in trouble. He's not coaching this game. They still got two workhorses in the back. I, I just I think that Ohio State's the real deal this year. So I, I'll go ahead and swallow the 14 points, which is very uncharacteristic. It is. I agree. All right, next up, uh, I saw Fox promoting this as the trilogy. The USC-Texas game, uh, I guess they're using 05 as the first one, then last year as the second one. Now this is going to be the trilogy. Um I don't know if you can go and take a 13-year, 12-year gap in between one and two and then a 365-day gap in between two and three and call it a trilogy, but we'll see. Um, Texas, two and a half, or three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They, uh, they squeaked by Tulsa last week, lost to Maryland the first week. Uh, USC did not look good at all against Stanford last week. Uh, Boom, where are you, uh, where are you going here? Yeah, I'm probably not going to watch a damn uh, minute of this football game just to check the check the score on my ESPN app to make sure that Texas is covering. Love Texas. I saw all the three here also. And JT Daniels, kid, he may end up being good, but he sure as hell isn't ready for this kind of uh, football yet. He proved that last week against a very docile crowd. This crowd's going to be amped up. Tom Herman's already getting the pressure. Kind of a must-win game for him right now. 
Uh, I can't believe they're only getting three after the performance that USC had against Stanford last week. So, yeah, I I really like Texas. See, the thing uh, is, I mean – USC or Texas didn't look very good either last week or last week either. I mean, they played uh, Tulsa one by seven. Yeah, yeah, but you can potentially chalk that up if they were looking ahead to this game. I agree. Uh, I'm also with Texas. Just you know, you can't always chalk it up to last week's performances because Texas didn't look good either. But you do kind of hit on the JT Daniels thing. I think he's going to be really good someday. But back to back weeks as a 17 or 18 year old kid. I don't know how old he is, but he's again we've harped on this before. He's supposed to be a senior in high school right now. And instead, he's going to Stanford, which is not the craziest place to play, and to Texas. Um, you know, two true. Which is going to be an atmosphere that he has not experienced right. in his life before. Uh, Texas, or yeah, Texas was at home last week, so they don't have to travel, get some rest. Um, I think, yeah, you kind of hit on this too, Herman. He's feeling the pressure, and I think that uh, Clay Elton's going to be feeling the pressure some too. Some of the USC people aren't happy; they're kind of already saying. Sam Darnold covered up a lot of flaws, and Dan kind of hit on that earlier in the interview. Um, but I think Herman, you know, he's supposed to be the savior, and it's just been more of the same so far at Texas. They were not happy after last week's seven-point win over Tulsa. A lot of them said, you know, hopefully it was kind of a look-ahead spot. So I'm with you. I think Texas, they almost got the job done last year, and I think uh, USC was a lot more talented last year. Plus, Texas is back at home. Uh, yeah, give me the Longhorns at home to win this game, let's say 24-17, somewhere in that neck of the woods. All right, so that was all of our college football games. We've got uh, – we've still got some uh, some Hurricane Eyes – or Hurricane Florence. Is this right? Is, is this one Florence? <laughs> this one is Florence. And this Jesus one's Florence. Christ. Then Isaac's coming up. So be on the lookout. It's a terrible situation. Nobody's making any light of it, but – as a gambler, you have to take these opportunities to uh, to look at some unders. So I think that's something you got to look for. My first opportunity for that tomorrow night, Wake Forest. All right, so next up, let's talk about some NFL football. We which, got... which is already built into the line. 56? I don't think so. No. It, 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 <laughs> this hurricane isn't just sneaking up on damn Vegas. It's not like no. every single person on the East Coast knows about it and all the bookmakers don't. It's well, already course. built into the damn line. No, but I mean it's it some of this stuff like okay, let's let's we I talked about this with Dan too, but this was actually the day you got married a couple of years ago. That NC State uh Notre Dame game. Remember that? And you know, it was played Yes, yeah, so I remember I remember it vividly over my wedding. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if you remember that morning. It was it was a rough morning for you, but uh, that uh, just played in the slop, man. And it was ten to three. I mean, I don't know if it's going to get that bad, but I, I, there's the under opportunities, man. Like, don't don't say there isn't. So, I mean, obviously the spreads are going to be adjusted, but they're not going to adjust the spread by ten, fifteen points. And in some cases, it needs to be that way. So, I'm just saying it's not like you know something of course not i'm not trying to that's want, going to be putting money i'm not trying to pull a fast one on vegas i'm just saying that you know that sometimes they don't adjust because they know that they're still going to get public money on the over look man i just don't want you to get your kneecaps broken because you got insider information or anything i'm just looking out for you don't worry i'm not trying to one-up vegas i already told you i'm not much of a weatherman anyway so next up we got nfl week two thursday night game <laughs> The Ravens minus one at the Bengals. Uh, both teams coming off wins. The Ravens coming off a very impressive win against Buffalo. I think the spread probably would have been what Cincinnati plus or minus one or two since they're at home on a short week. But instead, you know, it kind of got overinflated because of Baltimore just jackhammering Buffalo at home. Uh, what are you What are you going on this one? Yeah, I think that uh, this might be the first trap game of the season right here. Um, I am all about home teams on Thursday nights, especially home teams that are getting points. Last season, uh, I forget the exact statistics, but I believe that the home team on Thursday night football covered the spread roughly 70% of the time. Yeah, statistically, it's a perfect case of yeah, the perfect situation of one team being extremely overvalued. Everybody's thinking that damn Joe Flacco is the next MVP this season. He's not. They beat the hell out of uh, the worst team in the league that people weren't expecting. Uh, they're expected to be terrible, but <laughs> not 40 to nothing terrible. 
Bills gave up. People that are gambling on this game probably didn't watch any of the NFL games last week anyway. They're looking. They see, oh, damn, the Ravens are awesome. Their defense must be great this year. They're fine. They still have a mediocre run game. Their wide receivers got a little bit better, but not much. Their yeah. defense their defense is going to give up points to good teams. Bengals, on the other hand, ended up beating a very good Colts team. Good. That number, they're going to be up to potentially get a wild card spot this year. You've got more faith so, in Locke than I do, but go ahead. You're damn right I do. But that game was a little bit skewed. I think that if they didn't get that fumble return for a touchdown at the end of the game, this would probably be Ravens potentially minus three. Anyway, I think that the Bengals definitely get a win in this game. And, uh, you know, I hate going with the Red Rider BB gun, but sometimes you just have to when you see a good spot, and I'm going to go ahead and take it this week. Yep, I'm with you. I'm on the Bengals, too. Don't love, like you said, betting on Andy Dalton. But there's value. Uh, the Ravens, like you said, I mean, the Bengal, or the the Bills did quit. I, I watched that game. I had money on it. And no doubt. It, uh, Absolutely no doubt. It was rough. And, you know, they pulled Peterman. Peterman just just an abomination. Like, that dude is going to – he's going to cover the other side spread every time. Um, Flacco is fine. He if, if Flacco was so damn good, they wouldn't have brought in Lamar Jackson. But um, their defense, it's still good. I mean, it's still good Ravens defense, but they're old. I mean, Terrell Suggs still plays for him, and he's, you know, like 98. Hope he's not listening because he'll come track us down and murder us. But um, I don't know. I just – Bengals at home, short week. It's a huge advantage, so I'll, I'm with you. Give me uh, give me Andy Dalton, Marvin Lewis, and them, and Dan Boys on Thursday night, plus one. Take the money line. Get yourself a little bit more value. All right, next up, uh, the Sunday afternoon game. Definitely, for my money, the best game of the weekend. The Patriots traveling to the Jaguars. Patriots are a point-and-a-half favorite right now, somewhere in that neck of the woods. On the road in Saxonville. Not the scariest environment in the world, but uh, – I think I like the Jags at home on this and give it a little bit of a revenge game. Brady, or, you know, he, he led them back last year in the AFC Championship game. But if you go back and watch some of that game, I mean, Jacksonville outplayed him. The defense was great. Bortles did enough. I mean, they didn't ask him to do anything crazy. And that's the thing. If you understand his limitations and don't ask him to do too much, he's fine. I think they missed a window. I hit on this earlier to to win something big, but I still think they can get a week two win at home. Patriots are still trying to figure everything out with some of these new receivers. Give me the uh, the Jags at home on Sunday afternoon. Boom, who you got? Yeah, I'm pretty surprised that this line ended up coming out the way it did. I figured it would probably be closer to a pick em, the way that the Jags played against the Giants last week. Uh, you know, I, I'm high on the Giants this year, and we'll probably get to that in a second, but – Having that close of a game, I mean, the Giants had several chances to win that game, and now they got the Patriots coming in who beat a a very good, potentially division-winning football team of the Texans last week. Um, I'm going to go with Tom Brady here. I have no reason not to, and it's basically just for him to win the game. feel totally comfortable with go ahead and taking this uh, plus one and a half before the game time starts, maybe live, but it's somewhere in the middle, depending on which way it goes, try to middle the game at some point. Okay. Yep. Um, all right, so that's the Sunday afternoon game. Sunday night game, the Giants plus three at the Cowboys. Again, NBC, get with the program. I know this is a divisional game, and you're always, always, always going to put Dallas and New York on, but we're so tired of seeing this game on Sunday night football. I would love to see the Pats and Jaguars in primetime, but no, God forbid we not put Eli versus Dak there. Anyways, uh, the page, or the Seahawks, not the Seahawks, the Giants are three-point road underdogs coming off a loss against the Cowboys, who are also coming off a loss. I think you kind of tipped your hand a little bit, but go ahead and make your point on the Giants. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this is a pick-up game. The Cowboys looked terrible last week. Uh most notably, their offensive line looked terrible, which means Dak Prescott is going to play terrible. They have no receivers to throw to. Their defense is definitely capable of giving up a bunch of points. I mean, we saw what, I guess you could say, a decent uh, offense in Carolina. 
put up, but they were running damn Cam Newton's yeah. offense when he was at Auburn last, last uh, couple of years ago. So I am going to continue to believe in, in the Giants until they just pull an Arizona Cardinals game out of their ass. But they got the weapons. Saquon Barkley proved himself again, had a great 70-yard touchdown run last week. I think that the game is going to be close just because it's Sunday night football and it's in Dallas, but the stadium's not going to be rowdy. And uh, I'll definitely go ahead and take the take the three here. Yep, I'm with you. I'll take the Giants as well. Yeah, the Cowboys' skill positions. If you know, if something were to happen to Ezekiel Elliott, that's some of the worst skill players in like the history of modern football. Like they are terrible. Like, I think on paper, probably Alan Hearns is their number one, and then Tavon Austin is their number two receiver. And you throw in Michael Gallup, a rookie out of Colorado State. Obviously, there's nobody doubting that Zeke's very good, but he, you know, he were to get another suspension or another, you know, Rod Stewart's right behind, or Rod Smith. Um, I mean, they're, they're atrocious. They're having to teach Zeke how to catch the ball because they don't have anybody else that can. Yeah, and – Dak is good. I think he's fine, but he hasn't thrown. He's thrown for over 200 yards, I think, one time in his last nine games. I, I think that uh, the, the book's kind of out on him. He is what he is. He's never going to be an MVP kind of guy. He might be a kind of guy that you can you can ride to a good playoff record if you've got skill position guys and a good defense behind him. Like if Dak were in Jacksonville right now, I would feel comfortable picking Jacksonville to go to the Super Bowl. But so you're saying that Dak is basically Tony Romo-esque? No, I, they're different positions, but yeah, I guess like you know that's a similar. You're right. Sorry, I forgot. Tony Romo was a uh, right tackle. My bad. I'm not. They're different non-positions. Obviously, sorry. They're different like playing styles. I mean, obviously, but they're both serviceable. Romo, I trust less like in a pressure pack situation to keep the ball, but I don't know. I would rather have Dak to protect the lead, but I guess I'd rather have Romo if I got to go back and get the lead. Um, like I said, if but Romo or Dak doesn't have the skill players around him, like they're terrible, and I think that comes into play. The offensive line is going to be fine, but he can't. Him and Zeke can't do everything. Uh, give me the Giants. Hey, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I, I'm not high on Dak Prescott at all. He, he's got to prove it to me. Whenever Zeke went out last year, that dude could not figure it out. Like I said, I mean one passing or one game in the last nine over 200 passing yards so yeah give me the Giants all day that defense is still pretty good skill players are a lot better Odell Saquon looks like it's gonna be a nice little combination Manning doesn't have to do too too much just get the ball in those dudes hands uh so give me the Giants on Sunday night let's go to Monday night we got the Seahawks plus three in the hook traveling to Chicago who looked like the monsters of the midway were back the first half, and then Aaron Rodgers came riding in and said, not today. Uh, beautiful performance. One of the best halves of football you will ever see by Aaron Rodgers. But Khalil Mack had one of the best halves of football you'll see before that. Uh, he's back to, I guess, a full workload now. He was kind of being eased in last week. If that's eased in, I hate to see what he's got in store for the rest of the year. What do you like on this uh, Monday night game? Yeah, man, I mean – Right here, you know, the Bears definitely getting a little overvalue from their performance last week on Sunday Night Football primetime game. Obviously, I think we were both in the Bears. That was one of my favorite games last week. I'm going to be on the Bears the entire season. I'm actually pretty surprised that the public has shifted this quick on a team that was terrible last year and lost a lot of people a lot of money. The hook coming in place is difficult to stomach right here because I think the Bears will regress a little bit. The Seahawks obviously aren't as bad as they proved last week, I don't believe. I mean, I want to ride with the Bears. I would say by the by the five, uh, the hook down, you'll probably end up getting somewhere around minus 130, minus 135 juice on it but i think it'll definitely be worth it in this game and and i do i trust the bears offensively defensively i think that they're gonna have a, a big season this year so you're taking the bears you're gonna buy the hook minus three yep okay i'm uh i'm kind of torn on this game we'll probably not won't probably will not have any action on it 
But if I had to pick a side, I guess I'll go Seahawks just because of that three and a half. I think I think that you're going to get a little more value there. Uh, Doug Baldwin being out is probably going to be a bigger deal than people are making out to be just because kind of like we went back to Dak in Dallas. Russell doesn't have very many weapons outside of uh, Doug Baldwin on the outside. Um, oh, man, he's got, a, he's got that Disley guy up the middle, man. Yeah, that guy came in out of nowhere over 100 yards on three catches. But, uh, yeah, give me the Seahawks. The Bears still going to – I think they'll be better this year. they still got a ways to figure it out. I'm still not sold on Trubisky. Uh, he still should have – he t- should have taken that game over. I saw uh, – can't remember who it was, but saw some stuff on Twitter, and there was this one picture, like, you know, a guy was wa- going back watching film, and there was – he had a guy wide open in the end zone, 10 yards in front of him, and there was literally no one within five yards of him. He didn't make the throw. He ended up losing, like, seven yards on the play. Just stuff like that sticks out to me. Uh, Seahawks still got a good defensive scheme. Earl Thomas showed last week he's still a good playmaker, had a a nice interception, pretty good game um, coming in off the holdout. So give me uh, the Legion of Boom and uh, the remaining member of Earl Thomas. I'll take the Seahawks plus three in the hook on the road on Monday night. All right, so what we like to do next, it's, uh, it's called the Vault. And what we do here... We go through our five favorite non-scheduled games of the week. Boomer's already given you one, but I guess he's going to take that in the place of the the Boise State-Oklahoma game. So it's the five games that we haven't picked so far. We know you're going to be watching the primetime games, so we're going to give you some action on those. But these are the games that are going to win you the money. And uh, let's get to you, Boom. Who are your five favorite kind of off-the-board games this week? Yeah, well, I'll go ahead and start out with uh, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Now, they have started out the season red hot, on fire. People are going to absolutely love to gamble on them. I'm not one of those people. I'm going to ride with our damn men and women in the damn military. I'm going with Army. Now, you got a stomach swallowing six points, but I think that's not going to make a damn bit of difference with Hawaii traveling all the way across country to West Point. Right. Uh, I believe this is a 12 o'clock kickoff, so somewhere in the neighborhood of a 6 a.m., body clock for Hawaii. Exactly. I'll go ahead and take the six. Then uh, this game, it could go either way. Could end up being a total blowout or it could go the way that I'm expecting it to. I'm going to go ahead and take Syracuse plus the three at home against Florida State. Florida State has proven the past two weeks in my eyes that they aren't a team to be counted on, trusted, and or bet on this year. I think that Dino uh, Babers going to have the guys ready to go. They always play these types of games close. I believe it's a 12 o'clock kickoff also. Go ahead. You're getting three. I like an outright win right there, but I'll go ahead and take three. Then I'm going to ride on the Boilermaker train one last time. They showed a little bit of uh, a little bit of something last week. I think that Blau coming in, actually taking the starting job. They have pl- – been underwhelming and undervalued so far this year. They had a bad win, I guess, or a bad loss against a decent Northwestern team to start the season. I think that uh, Brom, solid coach, he gets the guys back. You're getting seven in the game against Missouri at home. Then going to another team that's overvalued this season, Arizona State under the damn Herm Edwards book of motivation. The Hermanator. I think that Arizona State has gotten way too much damn love this year. I'm going back to that San Diego State game early in the season where they played against Stanford, played decent. I guess what we're seeing is going to be a pretty decent Stanford team this year. And San Diego State's getting five, I believe, at home. I'm going to go ahead and take them, just fading, fading the uh, Sun Devils. Unfortunately, I hear it's uh, a great campus. Then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ride with some Sunday action because I'm always going to throw something in here. I'm banking on the Washington Redskins being extremely overvalued after what they did last week. Going to take the Colts getting six at Washington. I'm high on Indianapolis this year maybe the wrong side but I'm gonna at least ride with them getting this many points okay so you got Army minus six Syracuse plus three Purdue plus seven San Diego State plus five on the hook and the Colts plus six is that right 
That's right. Okay. Um, we got a couple of the same, couple repeat action here. Um, I'll start us off. We're going to Ames, and we're taking the Iowa State Cyclones. They're getting 18 and a half against the team they beat last year in Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma traveling on the road, a little bit overvalued. This game has probably shifted about a touchdown. Just based off the two teams' performance the first couple weeks, um, Iowa State lost a close game to a bitter rival Iowa last weekend. Oklahoma just keeps pounding other uh, kind of weaker-minded teams with UCLA and FAU through the first two weeks. But uh, I think that trend's reversed. I think Iowa State keeps it maybe a 10-point game. Let's go 38-28 here. Give me uh, the the Cyclones plus 18 and the hook on Saturday morning. Next up, we got Army. You hit on it as well. Minus six. The key number is six because it's a 6 a.m. local kick for Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is two and nine versus East Coast teams. And one of those is last year against UMass when it was the first week of the season and they had all offseason to kind of prepare their body clocks for it. On a sh- or on a week to week basis, you know they play the late night game out in Hawaii last week, so you know, kind of like a less, you know, almost a half a day less to prepare. Short travel schedule, six a.m. local kick. It's probably going to be rainy out in the West Point area, um, so Army that favors them on the ground. Hawaii's getting way too much love. Give me Army minus six. Next up. It's, uh, this could be a possible blacklist opportunity if uh, if they lose this or don't cover the spread here. But we got Troy, plus 12. Troy is making the trip to Nebraska. Scott Frost, uh, impressive debut last week, but couldn't quite get the win against a pretty decent Colorado team. I'm going to ride with Troy getting 12 just because I think you're, um, Nebraska is a little bit too much of a uh, – yeah, too much of a household name. Probably getting a little, a few too many points than they should. Uh, next up, let's go a game you hit on Purdue. Uh, this uh, another game that kind of probably shifted about a touchdown based on the team's uh, first two games. Purdue is 0-2, lost the bad game last week, and then lost to Northwestern the first week. Brahms at home. I think they're going to be prepared. Drew Locke's pretty good. Missouri, that's all they've got. The defense is not very good. There'll be a lot of points in this one. But I'm going to take the Boilermakers at home. And finally, I got several games. I don't really know which one I want to go with here. But I think I'm going to go out to the desert and give me Nevada. Minus four against a really, really, really bad Oregon State team. I think that Nevada is a team that, uh, again, not a Power 5 team. So probably uh, not as big of favorites as they should be. But I'll take Nevada minus four at home against Oregon State. So, again, that's Nevada minus four, Purdue plus seven, Troy plus 12, Army minus six, and Iowa State plus 18 in the hook. I'm going to lay off the NFL for one more week, and then we'll get back in the professional ranks next week. All right, so, again, for those of you that are new around here, this is the best time of the week. You're about to get so fired up for all the winners and the cold beer you're going to have this weekend. It's what we like to call it's the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. Pretty self-explanatory, but it's our favorite game of the weekend. We get hyped for it. We bring in the music. We go rowdy. We pick winners. Let's get to it. How excited are you for the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week? Well, I'm pretty excited to get off this uh, 0-2 train on the locks that I've been giving out. Disgusting. Not very good. Not very damn good. But that's changing this week with a little uh, little team down in Louisiana. They're traveling out to College Station where one of the best college football games of the year that you watched last week took place. That's probably not going to take place again this week. I'm going to go ahead – I'm going to take a flyer on the Louisiana Monroe uh, just rammer jammers down there. Getting 27 points may go up to 27 and a half, could potentially go to 28, but I doubt it, against the Texas A&M Aggies. Hell of a heartbreaking loss last week. Could be a little bit of a hangover there. And guess what? They play the number one team next week. Uh 
is, is that game in Tuscaloosa or is it that is. Station? It is in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So. Ahead City. So yeah, I uh, I absolutely love this fight that uh, that Louisiana Monroe's at. I think uh, think they're going to catch them sleeping a little bit. You know, probably a twenty-one point game. Either way, they're not going to win. About, of course, but uh, I definitely like him to keep it relatively close. I like that. Uh, the ultimate, you know, let down slash look ahead spot coming off a close victory or close loss at home, then traveling to the number one team in the nation. I like that. Plus 27, UL Monroe right there. I'm going to switch it up on you a little bit, and I'm going the North Texas Mean Green, baby. Plus seven. That's all they're getting. They're on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas is getting that SEC brand name recognition. Most people probably don't know that they lost to Colorado State last weekend. Pretty embarrassing, but it happened. They had a big lead going into the second half and still blew it. Uh, Chad Morris going to take him a little while to get going what he wants to get going there, but Mason Fine is not going to give him any time this Saturday. Mason Fine is going to be dropping fine dimes all over the place up in Arkansas this weekend. I think North Texas goes in and gets an outright win, but I'm going to take the seven just to be safe. The mean green on the road plus seven is the Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. All right, so that's the Stone Cold Steve Austin locks of the week. It's North Texas plus seven. And it's UL Monroe plus 27. So that's what we do around here. We pick winners, we pick uh, locks, and we have great interviews. It's the Deep Fried Bets podcast. We're all over the internet. You can check us out on Twitter at Deep Fried Bets, at Instagram at, at Deep Fried Bets, and on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Deep Fried Bets. You guess it. Uh, iTunes, y'all be sure to rate, subscribe, review. That really helps us out a lot. It, it take you two seconds out of your day, and it helps us out tremendously. So be sure and do that. Uh, Boom, what are you going to send us off on the weekend with? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just say continue to, you know, just gamble for fun and entertainment purposes and all that kind of good stuff unless, uh, unless you have a power bill that's coming up that you don't feel like you have adequately prepared for. You should probably bet twice the amount and go ahead and cover that and uh, maybe cover some, some extra entertainment purposes. Yep. Mason Fine's going to make sure your lights stay on for at least one more month. Uh, all right, so there we go. Double up on all your bets if you need to pay your power bill. Sage advice from Boomer himself. All right, thank you all for tuning in. Tell your friends about it, and we'll catch you next week.